Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, we are here in Dear Media Studio recording our podcast and I am incredibly pregnant. (laughs) And we were just looking at the camera and talking about how puffy I look. And so we thought this would be a great day to talk about our birth stories. Birth stories. Everybody yeah. loves a good birth story. No, I, what is it about women who like, like we really want to share every detail about our birth story, but then I read them too. Like I read the whole thing when people post about them. I think it's so funny too. When I'm, whenever I'm out socially and I meet, meet another mom within five minutes, it's like, you want to hear about my vagina and my birth yeah. story and like all the details. Like once you're a mom and you've been through it, you, you, you almost want to talk about it. It's kind of like a badge of honor. It is, but also I feel like it is a traumatic experience. And oh, yeah. with traumas, one of the one of the first stages of coping with trauma is like it's like verbal diarrhea. You just want to talk about it. Like that was one of the things that I read in my divorce books, too. They're like, you're going to want to tell everybody about every intricate story that led to this divorce. It's just part of the coping process. So I think that's kind of what we do with our birth stories too. Like we we need to speak it. And now and now we're here and we want to tell everyone. Yeah. So just <laughs> fucking listen up because yeah. you're gonna hear our birth stories. Yeah. How did how did you find out that you were pregnant? Were you trying? I was trying. So yeah. uh actually I got accidentally pregnant and Love and it. then I got so excited, had a miscarriage, and then we were like, let's just try for a baby. I was really ready. We weren't even married yet. And then we tried we tried. I had another I had two miscarriages. One was kind of late. One was we'd already heard the heartbeat. It was like 12 weeks. That was very traumatic. And then I ended up getting pregnant with Remy and smooth sailing. He was a, like a nine pound baby week late. And that was a vaginal delivery. So oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. how much did he weigh? He was nine pounds, nine pounds on the dot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, mine were so same thing. Do you have Remy before you were married? Yes. Okay, you little whore. I know. <laughs> I I had Jackson before we were married too. Well, he, and, and we, your husband was twenty three, or your non husband? Yeah, was even my non husband, <laughs> my boyfriend, who I just moved across the country for. We were dating for I think two and a half years. He was at the time living in Foxborough, Massachusetts, where right where you grew up. Yeah, and but he was playing for the Patriots. He was playing so for the Patriots. To, you have to say that, otherwise was, it's not cool to there live was in Foxborough. A little, yeah. <laughs> But it was kind of like a movie. I quit my job. I was making six figures, owned my own car, all the things, and had this great life. Yeah. And then I was like, he's like, I want you to live here. I want you to move out. So I literally packed up my life, sold everything, had three suitcases, booked a one-way ticket for love. Could have ended horribly, but now we're on baby three. So it obviously worked out. But there was this saying that like when you moved Foxborough, like amongst like the wags, Mm -hmm. um, that you get pregnant. 
And so I Yeah, I, they I, all fucking do cha-ching. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how else are they going to keep their money rolling in? And of course, people thought like, oh, I was trapping him. It's like, bitch, I was making my own money. Like, yeah, it's all good. I know, it's true. Um, and I joke that he trapped me because I vividly remember one night we were going to see, I think, Kevin Hart in Rhode Island. And we went and saw him live and we were like kind of drinking. We're like, wouldn't it be so fun? Like, you know, wouldn't it be so fun to have a kid? Like, it'd be so fun. (laughs) I Um, hear they're really cute and like, whatever. So, and I vividly remember the exact night it happened because it happened on the first try. And I was actually smoking a joint like while we're having sex and drunk doing this. And, and then, so a couple of weeks go by and we're in Connecticut for at our friend's house for Thanksgiving. And I'm like so nauseous because Thanksgiving is when there's no rules. I eat everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, give me all the pie. I couldn't drink. I couldn't eat. And so the next day, and again, we weren't like actively trying, but I had been off birth control for like maybe six months. I was like, I just get this shit out of my system. Okay. But we were still protected. Like we used condoms and everything, but obviously didn't that night. And so we have about a two hour drive back to Foxborough. I'm like, I'm so nauseous. So obviously when I'm nauseous thinking I'm hungover, I smoke a joint. And then we pull over and we're like, maybe we should get a test. Like, so we go into McDonald's of all places and butt fuck nowhere. And he's like, I don't know, being a man and reorganizing the luggage for some reason. I'm in McDonald's and I pee on a stick and it says positive. And I'm like, stop it. And it's not like the movies where he's like, I go, I'm pregnant. And he just goes, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) And we're both like every emotion on the book. We've got a two hour drive back. We're crying. We're laughing. We're excited. We're crying again. Like all of the emotions. So anyway, fast forward nine months later, he is it's the perfect pregnancy. I just, you know, gained a lot of weight. The perfect I, pregnancy, except you have to take a look at. Can we just pan to a picture of your feet in those sandals? OK, we will put a picture <laughs> of my feet in the sandals. Flip-flops it's my favorite that, picture of Kristen ever. Flip flops for all that fit me. OK, guys, <laughs> I was so large because I was in such great shape. So I just ate you everything. You were just swollen, though. I was swollen. It wasn't fat. You just and you know what? like you no. knew you could pop you. <laughs> I literally looked like I needed to be drained. Yes. <laughs> But that's what no one tells you. And I didn't know because I wasn't trying. I was so young. So I had no friends to tell me, you know, what to expect when you're expecting. Mm-hmm. Everything gets so big. Everything My doctors so do that. I was like third trimester in and they were like, wait, trimester. No, second trimester. And they were like, okay, you've maxed out the amount of weight that you're supposed to gain <laughs> for like your height and, and body mass. Like you need to stop. And I'm like, but I still have like 10 weeks left. What am I supposed to do? I know. And just like, just how big and dark everything gets. Like my dark. nipples yes. look like National Geographic. I didn't realize. Yeah, it was I, alarming. You, my whole body was super t- like I, what I thought was tan. This is me with like my thinking that I look great. And I look back and I'm like, what? <laughs> like this? that was melasma. That was yeah. not a tan. Yeah. And I got melasma, too, which if you don't know, is hyperpigmentation of the skin. It happens when you have hormone changes in your body. A lot of women experience it post-pregnancy or during pregnancy. And I happened to have it just right above the lip. So it looked, I looked like a French man mustache with like, you know, the painter. Not but that's common ab- above the lip. Above I the lip. Like, yeah. It's like anywhere else would be better. Just above the lip. You look like you have a mustache. Well, the good news, if we're just scaring, <laughs> we're just scaring you guys. Yeah. It mostly all goes back. Like, and what's nice, mostly. Not really. (laughs) And I'll never forget when I delivered. So we get there. And at this time, I'm being, in my opinion, I'm being such a good girlfriend. I'm like, Tyler needs to sleep. He has practice. Like, 
you know, I'm, I'm just going to wait. And when the water broke, it wasn't like the movies where it is gushing and I'm slipping in it. It was like a teardrop. And I oh. used, I did. So Tyler was leaving for training camp. So I was like, I got to get this baby out or I'm going to be by myself. And it'll be, that sounds very traumatic. Yeah. So I did the spicy food. I was walking. I was oh, having I did that sex. Too. Was he late? No, my boys, both boys were two weeks early. Oh, Because right. I had to get him out before right. he went to camp. And thank God they were because they were nine and a half pounds. So did they induce you? No, I used castor oil. And I got work. It worked. Well, so with Jax, I did the exact same process with both boys. The delivery was the same. Around the night before, I took a shot of castor oil. The day before, I had my membrane swiped. With Jackson, I had a doctor do it. Which, if you don't know what a membrane swipe is, people, it's a fancy word for the doctor takes two fucking fingers, (laughs) shoves it up your vagina, and like scrapes. Scrapes it. It's horrible. So with my second one, so okay, with, with Conway, my second child, the doctor was like, you're too early. I'm not comfortable doing this. So we were like, fuck this. Like Tyler's leaving for spring training. We got to do this. So Tyler steals some hospital gloves. Stop we it. Google how to do it. Stop he swipes it. my membrane. Ah! At, <laughs> he swiped my membrane at home. That is not okay. And then the I next like day. I need to report you for this. <laughs> the next day, I take castor oil. And I did this with both boys. I did like the Whole Foods organic kind. Does it, that make you sick? Because so, is yes, poison. It's it's so it, the main use is for constipation to relieve you. Oh, okay. So what it does when you're trying to get a baby out is, mm-hmm. is it causes stomach contractions. Mm, okay. So I both times I did on the first time, and it basically is like chugging oil. It's like oil is so like triggering for me now. It's disgusting. Ew. You take a shot. It didn't work. It just made me feel like crap. And so I waited two more days after the membrane swiping. Did it both times, went into labor immediately or sorry, within like six hours. So I wake up at like five. I get the little teardrop. I'm like, I think it's happening. And the contractions went, you know, from seven minutes to five to four to mm-hmm. three. And then I tell Ty it's go time. And between the time we got to the hospital to the time I had the baby was six hours. And of course, I got an epidural. Yeah. hundred percent. Mine was Remy was quick like that, too. Oh, my God. So two weeks early, two that- weeks early. If they if they were full term, it would have been like 11 pounds. hundred percent. Oh, Fuck that. And you did it vaginally. Vaginally. And then and then after I deliver, the first thing Tyler says is, hey, give her a little gentleman stitch. Make her a virgin. Will you, Doc? I'm like, I just gave birth. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the worst thing is when you go back for your like six week and they're like, you're all set to have a sex again now. Mm. And I'm like, will you keep your goddamn voice down? I am not okay to have sex. And like, he's like, all right, let's go. We got this. I'm like, no, I'm, I don't feel okay. Are you, are you sure? Like, I don't, don't want to do that. Did Mikey have sex with you while you're pregnant? Yes. Okay, I think this is the of thing. Of course. You right? can't go nine months without having sex. No, but some men don't like it and some women oh. are insecure. I know, but I went I to Vegas was- when I was nine months pregnant and I got hit on more than I've ever so gotten hit on this is, not pregnant. This is my theory. Men, men are, are fucked up. They're animals. So they smell the pheromones. So that when they look at women, like, you know, traditionally women's job is to to breed and to to make babies like yeah. in an animalistic type of way. So they see, oh, this girl, she's fertile. Like, but don't they see that you have some other dude's baby in your belly? Like, is that hot? Like, I, I don't know. I think, may, you know what it is? It's like a, when a dog lifts their leg and pees on another dog's piss. Oh, and it's like, oh, like, t- like looks oh. like somebody's pissed on you. Like, I got to piss on you yeah. to claim my territory. That make, no, men are a- literally animals. Maybe. They're animals. Like, like the, Tyler wants to have sex with me every day. I'm like, really? I'm every day. I don't at have least sex like you're day. hornier <laughs> when you're pregnant. I was I got really horny when I was pregnant. And I'm like not a I have like a lower sex drive than I think most women do. Just like I, I don't know. Like I can go a long time and I'm I don't, qu- yeah, quality over quantity. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But like 
when I was pregnant, I I was like my sex drive was like at an all time high. I think mine was in the second trimester. Now I just get nervous because I'm like, I have this gorgeous husband with ripped abs rubbing against my belly that's 200 pounds <laughs> and then the baby's kicking and I'm like this Listen, is just not you I mean men have weird fantasies it's kind of it, honestly it might turn him on because it's like you're like a different woman right now it's For like sure. he's getting like a he's like okay he loves it he literally fault. growls at me yeah I'm not lying he growls at me he is an animal yeah <laughs> but it it is a little weird when it's like the baby's head is there and then like the penis is poking and it's like I don't know if like our daughter wants your penis poking her head. I know. Like that's why that... sometimes they come out. They got a little cone. <laughs> no, that's not kidding. why they come out with a cone. <laughs> Follow us for more yeah. uh, medical tips. We we know a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. God. So Remy was two weeks late, and it was a vaginal delivery. I was actually scheduled for. Uh, no, sorry, he's one week late. I was scheduled for it to be induced. And that morning when we were getting ready to go to the hospital, I felt this the sharpest pain up my butt. Like, yes. do you, you, it's like like the pain that you get. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like a lightning bolt up it's my butt lightning. ass. Yeah, it it's butt? literally called butt lightning. <laughs> butt lightning. Yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I just invented that, but whatever. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm, th- I'm going to die or like something's happening right now. So I was like, I think I'm going into labor. Like, this is kind of perfect timing. We like, let's get in the car, whatever. Mikey, for those of you who don't know, Mikey's my ex-husband. And you'll find out why. He fucking misses the exit. Okay, this is the hospital we've been driving to every week for the last like nine months. Misses the exit. I'm screaming at him. And then he's getting mad at me back. And I'm like, you, you've seen the movies like the wife is allowed to be the bitch when she's yes, in labor. Yes. You don't get to be a bitch back like no. you just do. You just take it. He's just such an alpha male. He he won't. He did, wasn't taking it. So he was yelling at me. I was yelling at him. I get there and I'm like, I'm like, you know, I I thought I had to be really dramatic. That's like what you do in the movies, whatever. So I run. I'm like, I'm in labor. I'm in labor. They're like, ma'am, you're, can you please take a seat in the lobby? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, like, I'm in labor. And, and and she like made me sit in the lobby. I'm I'm like, I need drugs. Like, what do you have? I need, you got fentanyl, something yeah. like, and literally that's what they give that's you. That's what they, they give you. Yeah, yeah. And with the little thing. Yeah. I love the little thing. That was so much. <laughs> yeah. And my labor was just quick. It was like 45 minutes. I pushed. They were like, oh, you have to awesome. push. They were like, push like you're pooping. I push. He came. Well, awesome. Maybe. Did you poop? I didn't poop. That's a thing. Yeah. Guys. If you poop. if you haven't had kids, that's a thing. There's a pooper scooper nurse ready to go, which I found out Duh. a designated nurse pooper scooper. Imagine She's ready to your job Is that her, on her name tag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So and he came out quickly. And if I had any advice, I think maybe I would have waited to do the drugs a little bit. I didn't feel anything. Oh, this is the other thing. I paid for this doula you know, like $3,000. Yeah. She would come over and tell me about birth and whatever a couple of times. She was there massaging my feet. I had an epidural. I couldn't, fe- she could have been <laughs> sawing them off and I wouldn't have felt it. I was like, what have I paid you for? I did not do a doula with my second child because it was such a waste of money. Like if you're getting That's an epidural, hilarious. don't get a doula. You don't need it. Yeah. Like there's no point. That is hilarious. And my labor was so quick. Anyway, so he came out. He was giant. His head was in the, like the 99th percentile. Yep, of course. And I have not been able to jump on a trampoline since. So No, I think there's... <laughs> oh, someone that. told me... I haven't done it, but it's very interesting now that I'm going to have my third and have this wealth of knowledge now after yes. a few. Just talking to other women. I guess you can do something on the... In, I don't know what it is, but in the inside where they can fix that. Some, what do you mean? Like while they're down there post-delivery, they can 
fix. Like I pee my pants every time I sneeze or cough. Like yeah. every time in Costco, I, I pee my pants. Like that's just, that's just yeah. what happens. I don't have the incontinence problem. Like the, I, the peeing thing is not mine. It's just like when you feel like you're like during your period, like do you ever feel like your like vagina is going to fall out? Like everything's 100%. just like so heavy. I can't leave the house for like three days. It's yeah. so bad post babies. Another trick I learned, which I did with both kids is if you're an expecting mom, I had a pitcher of raspberry leaf tea. Is it raspberry yes, leaf tea? I still have every that. single day. Um, that's you're not supposed to have that every day. Though, oh, I had because a it pitcher. induces labor. Well, yeah, hell yeah, get this sucker out <laughs> later, not like during your. No, I I started at thirty, I think like thirty five weeks. Okay, so thirty five weeks. I started at thirty seven. Is when time crunch. Right. Yeah, so I did raspberry leaf, and I'd have a pitcher, so I just drank it like iced tea. And then evening primrose oil, which is mm-hmm. essentially like a fish oil. So I take one orally in the morning and at night I would poke it with a hole and you literally just like shove it up your vagina and you just mm. wear, you know, your ugly sweats because it is an oil. But if you really think about it, it acts as a lubricant. It softens your cervix. Yeah. So when the baby comes like, I mean, I'm just this is just my experience. Both kids, I put pu- I push for 10 minutes. It was like I sneezed and the baby popped out. I, I glides for out. a very short time, too. I have a feeling that's more genetic. I don't know. They say like. Vietnamese women like get the babies out faster than any other women. Those are some feisty women. They're like, get out. (laughs) No, I know. But the thing is, it's like the evening primrose, the raspberry tea. I did acupuncture. It's like, yeah, I did acupuncture a week after he was due. I was like, we need to get this baby out. Everyone's like, did it work? I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, he was 41 weeks. Like he came out (laughs) two days later, though. It's like, I don't know if I would really give credit to acupuncture or to the evening primrose. Like you had 10 pound babies. Those. Yeah, they were ready. They were ready. I don't know if that stuff really works, but the drugs. I'm I'm, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to say that they worked. Yeah. And the needle. I never saw the needle because you're in so much pain. How I describe it, if you know, I always describe it with like Patroclus because in my mind, that's like one of the greatest linemen of all time. But this is a female Meanwhile, focus. I have no idea. Who yeah, that exactly. Is, so we'll just say just a train. <laughs> a train is running through your vagina and running through your back every couple of minutes. So if you have the opportunity to take an epidural, fucking take it. Like, yeah. Oh, and here's the other thing. So I take the epidural and this is with Conway, my second child. I'm so chill. I'm like, I feel fucking awesome. This yeah. is amazing. And so I take a nap. And so I'm, I turn on my side and when I wake up two hours later, they're like, Hey, like, do you want to start pushing? And I was just like, I don't want to be here all day. Like, let's fucking go. Cause I was only nine what, millimeters, centimeters, whatever dilated. You're supposed to be 10. So we start pushing and they're like, okay, Ty, like lift her leg. And mind you, I'm 200 pounds dead weight at this point. I'm completely <laughs> dead weight and cannot lift. I can't yeah. move. I'm paralyzed. Yeah. So he's lifting up this huge bitch. And he's yanking me. And first of all, we joke. I'm so not flexible. I can barely touch my toes. Really? Until you give birth, you're like legs behind your head. Yeah. So flexible. But yeah, we didn't do any classes or anything like that. We. No. That's another thing. The classes I, are also for people who don't do the drugs, though. That's what I think yeah. people need to realize. Like, if you can't feel from the waist down, it doesn't matter. It like, doesn't matter. What kind of breathing you're doing. And, and I, they tell you. Yeah. And I think, too, like, I think we get sucked up and there's such a market everything at the end of the day is business and the hospital yes. business is a business and wants to make money at the end of the day. I did nothing. Like I just showed up and was like, let's fucking go. Like yeah. our bodies have been doing this since the caveman days. Like yeah. we are literally as women born to breed and birth yeah. children. Your body is a fucking machine. Well, that's, I want to segue into my second child birth story because I do yeah, this feel one's crazy. like the intelligence that our body has 
we don't give credit to because I think we don't cognitively understand it. And with my daughter, Soleil, she, I thought for sure I was going to at least be pregnant for another month because Remy was a week late. So I was at like 36 weeks, six days. And, and it was during COVID. It was like August, 2020. And, you know, people really didn't want to go into hospitals or go to the doctor because everybody was freaked out. Like that's where the COVID germs are or whatever. So I, I, all of my appointments were like over zoom and they were like, you're still pregnant. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like it's such bullshit. So I was like, it was the middle of the night. I had insomnia with her and it was the middle of the night. And I'm like, I had this feeling like I can't even explain it. It was nothing physical. There was no pain. It was just like, I was like, I don't really know that I felt her kick in the last like few hours. And at that time, you're supposed to kind of be counting kicks or supposed to kick us, not kick necessarily, but you're supposed to feel some kind of movement a few times every hour. And I was like, I don't think I'm really feeling her kick. And I and I turned and she like kind of like slopped over to one side. And I was like, okay. I'm not going to fall back asleep tonight because now I'm kind of like having anxiety about whatever this feeling is, like just a gut instinct. So I'm like, I'm going to get in the car and drive myself to the hospital, drive myself to the to the urgent care just to hear the heartbeat, because I didn't have like a anything that I could listen to her heartbeat. And and sometimes you just need to hear your baby's heart, especially I had had several miscarriages and I had that little bit of paranoia left over from those. So I was like, I just want to hear a heartbeat. I'm not going to fall back asleep anyway. And there's not going to be anybody at the hospital because it's the middle of the night. So I get in my car. I drive to Kaiser, <laughs> same hospital. And I just remember being in a red light being like, you're a psychopath. Like you are driving to the hospital in the middle of the night. Like you are crazy. I don't know. Like there's no reason for you to be doing this. They're going to laugh at you when you show up. So I get there and they're like, why are you here, ma'am? And I'm like, I just want to hear my baby's heartbeat. They're like, are you having any pain? I'm like, no. They're like, are you having like any bleeding? I'm like, no. They're like, okay, come on in. Like you're wasting our time. And they hook me up and they're like, we need to like get this baby out right away. She's not breathing. That's crazy. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? They're like, they were listening or they were checking her oxygen and they said it was the equivalent of like being dunked underwater every few seconds where she couldn't breathe. And so they they tried to induce me, which I never had done before. And inducing is just horrible. Like they basically it's like it's artificial expansion of your cervix. Right. Which I didn't know. Even as a mom of two kids already, I thought induction was like like a drip, like an IV or some sort of drug that I think it is. No, th- right? th- there's also where they put like a balloon. Yeah, in you. I had the balloon. Yeah. The balloon. Yes. They put, they the put balloon. something up your hoo-ha. Yeah. I had that, but I didn't have that with her. Who did I have it? Yeah, they did do that. Yeah, that was horrible. That was like, a <laughs> yeah, they did the balloon. Yes, they put the balloon. And then the balloon expands your cervix because like technically because you're not ready to give birth. Mm-hmm. Like if I was living in a village in you know, some third world country, this baby would not have yeah. been born. We, maybe we both would have died. We I pushed I, I did all the things that screw up your vagina. And then they were like, mm, you know, we're going to have to do C-section. We're going to have to do emergency C-section. And so they rush me into the room. They put the thing up. They cut me open. They pull her out. And she is completely wrapped in her cord from the like neck down. She looks like she was like going bungee jumping. That's wild. And when the baby comes out, they give you a number. I forget what the number is called. It has a name, but it's basically like on a scale of one to something tells you how healthy the baby is. And she didn't cry and she didn't. And they were like, the number was low. And I was like so scared. And then they check it again and they check it again, like within a few minute increments. 
and she came fully to like she was she was early, but she came to and and even the doctor and the nurses and they were like, what made you come tonight? And I'm like, I get chills to this day like I could cry. I just there's no answer. It it was the mother was born instinct. on the anniversary, the hundred year anniversary of my grandfather. He would have been 100. He's dead. And she was also born on the day that there's so her her birthday is just so symbolic. Like, I really do feel like there were angels. Something told me you need to go to the hospital. You need to get this baby out like she needs to come early. And there was nothing in my body that told me I need to do that other than just like a gut instinct. And I'm so happy that I followed it. And I just feel like it's such a lesson of like, you don't have to rationally know why you feel a certain way. I feel like we talk ourselves out of things a lot if mm-hmm. we don't have an answer. And our body is so intelligent. And so, sometimes our answer is just a feeling. It 100%. doesn't mean you don't need to understand it. And like we were saying earlier, like your brain and, and your gut are connected. If it, you have a gut feeling, follow it. Like, thank God you followed you it that night. And I look at her every day and I'm like, my her name's Soleil and my dad calls her so lucky because Aww. it's just like, yeah, she was she's a she's a Leo. She's a lion. She's a firecracker. Her name means son. And I just can't imagine a life without her. And I really I, I I would I have no explanation for why I went that night. And if I hadn't have gone, they told me if I didn't go that night at that time, she would have maybe had like an hour left and she wouldn't have she would have suffocated and I would have. And I would have given birth to a stillborn. And oh, I know several people who have yeah, done that. I know. So, so scary. And oh, my gosh. And then you showed up to your baby shower with a baby. Yes, I had a baby <laughs> shower planned. And and I brought my kid to it. Oh, my God. That was. Yes. Wow. Kristen OK. I was there for that. I was there for that. And I held her and I did the shh. I was like, I still got it. I think I could put out another kid. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. God, that's These so kids. crazy. I know. Did you? You breastfed, though. That's yes. another thing. Like. You think you here's the thing about being a parent. You think, you know, everything until you realize you don't know jack shit. You don't know anything because it's so easy to judge parents before you have kids. Oh, I would never bring an iPad or or if I hear people on the plane, like shut that baby up. I'm like, fuck you. That mom doesn't want to be on a plane with that baby baby crying on a plane. I'm like, can I hold it? (laughs) I just feel bad for the parent. And I just honestly, I feel just so lucky that it's not my kid. Yeah. It's It's so funny, though. Anytime I travel without my kids, I always end up sitting next to the crying baby, ironically. But it's to me, I don't even hear it. But that's the thing. You think you know everything until you realize you know nothing as a parent. You know nothing. You know nothing. And the thing is, you deliver this baby and you're exhausted and you're so vulnerable. And if you got the drugs, you're coming off the drugs and your and your milk hasn't quite come in yet. And you're worried about feeding the baby. The thing that they also don't tell you is that your your baby's born a certain weight and they lose weight quickly because they're not getting the nutrients that they were getting in your belly. And you go into panic mode like it's an instinctual panic and it's like an actual panic of like this baby needs calories and my boobs are not producing the milk yet. But you don't want to be the mom that gives the formula because then you're then you're a bad mom. And then you're a bad mom. (laughs) Well, that's the thing with I was leading into with breastfeeding. I always thought there was I have a specific instance with this gal. She had a nanny a house cleaner and she had gave her kids formula. And I'm like, Mm. this is such a bad mom. Mm -hmm. Wow. I would never have a nanny. I like, why don't you clean your own house? I now have a house cleaner and I'm looking on the market for a nanny. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the (laughs) The breastfeeding, I was like, yeah, uh, yeah. And um, I was looking or I thought for sure I was going to breastfeed. I'm like, I'm going to breastfeed for at least a year. hundred percent, like no questions asked. So I have both kids and both times 
you know, you latch on. It's that animal instinct. They need mm-hmm. their mom skin to skin. It goes fine. Now, mind you, I have double D boobs. So when I'm pregnant and, you know, post baby, mm-hmm. they're uncomfortable. I have to yes. walk around and hold them with both yes. hands. Walking down the stairs. I still do Yeah. That. And they're so boobs. big. They're so engorged. They're so heavy and gross. Yeah. And I'm then I start struggling. I'm like, I, I don't think I can do this. And my boobs are so big that the baby literally can't latch. Yeah. And the pressure I felt from people was it, it was kind of disgusting from friends, from family. Like, yeah. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. And I, like my, I guess, kind of takeaway from this to anyone listening is if you're struggling or if you don't want to, it is OK. Yeah. There are other options. If you can, like you breastfed for two years. That's amazing. I wish I could. And I couldn't. Well, I did I tried with everything. Remy. I did with Remy. But then I, I did there a different problem came out of it where he refused bottles and he would only want my nipples. So I couldn't go anywhere. I was trapped. I was fully trapped. And then I got pregnant with Soleil. So I'm like, I don't want while breastfeeding while breastfeeding, which is like a a rumor that you can't get pregnant if you're breastfeeding. Right. Which is you can. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I got this baby stealing my nutrients. I got this baby stealing my nutrients. Like, I feel like my teeth are going to fall out if I don't. like. So I, I finally, and everybody tells you like, just go away, like go to a hotel for a few nights. Like your baby won't like he won't starve himself. It's like I cannot stand that advice more than anything, because no, no mother is going to put their baby in a situation where they are near starving. Like, yeah, I, don't, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And eventually I finally got him off of it. I had to straw train. Him. I think we could do a whole episode on straw training and the sippy cups and they make fake nipples and there's a whole market in there for wild see i don't even know any of that i was like here is a bottle and here is formula because i was so depressed that's another thing people don't talk about is like the depression the postpartum again i was this confident young had kind of everything i needed and it was the breastfeeding for me that was like the biggest trigger because after i stopped breastfeeding i i was i was fine or you know on my way to being fine another interesting thing is i went to my doctor and was saying I'm feeling really because they do like a postpartum assessment, if you will. Yeah. And I was so anxious. I was by myself. I didn't have a husband there. He was oh, gone in yeah. camp. So I'm by myself in a city with no help, no friends, no family, not being able to breastfeed. So then the kid is crying because mm. they don't ha- they're not getting the nutrient. I don't they, you can't measure how much they're getting. So we put him on like supplemented with formula. And I was like totally depressed. I was crying every time Aww. I went in there, bawling my eyes out, like hadn't showered in three days, the whole yeah. thing. And she's just like, you know, here, here's some lorazepam and here's some Zoloft. And I'm like, that's your, that's the first thing you want to give yeah. me is like SSRIs and things that could get me addicted during a really vulnerable time. Yeah. So I basically had the discussion with Tyler and we were, we just decided, okay, we're going to pump, get what we can, save as much milk as we can. And then we just supplemented with formula. And my kids yeah. are completely healthy, actually very advanced, yeah. big boys, the best at sports. Teachers love them. Yeah. So all this like, you're a bad mom if you if you have formula. You're not a bad mom. Like you need to put yourself first, whether it's breastfeeding or whether it's formula, whatever it is, you have to put yourself first because you need to be a good mom in order to be a good wife, in order to be a good mom to that child. If yeah. you're struggling, the the kid is gonna feel that energy and totally. they're gonna struggle too. Yeah. Whether it's feeding or sleep, whatever it is. Yeah. It's interesting. Like with Remy, yeah, I breastfed him for a long fucking time. And with Soleil, I stopped her earlier and she was a c-section baby you know she didn't get the bacteria that they get through the vaginal canal Mm -hmm. that whatever and 
that too, they don't tell you when you have a C-section baby, they don't get the fluid squeezed from their lungs. So they kind of choke on their, on the fluid and you, they give you a squeegee thing to suck the fluid out of their throat. So you have, so you, and your baby's sitting in this little bassinet and you just had your stomach severed. So you have to somehow sit up to squeeze the, like you hear your your newborn baby choking, you have to sit up to squeeze the fluid out of it. Yeah. But honestly, I felt that the recovery from a C-section was 20 times easier than the recovery from a vaginal Yeah, you did both. But nothing's better than the witch hazel spray. And you get it's that. In, which, yeah. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. You got to get the you got to get the the ice pack in your yes. underwear. Yeah. You got to do the witch hazel spray and the sits bath and all the things. All the things. Yeah. And just sitting. I, I really felt like a C-section recovery was easier. I could. We we're going to have to do a different episode on just like the whole postpartum thing. You know that I For struggled sure. with postpartum depression. Uh, they call it postpartum depression, which I kind of have a problem with because it's like it's not always sadness. Mine wasn't sadness. Mine was like catastrophic OCD ruminating thoughts. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I thought that I was going to accidentally kill my baby. Yeah. I think and that's a normal feeling. It's a normal thing. Yeah. And you, it's but, just not talked about. But when you're in it, unless you've experienced it before, like you don't realize you feel like a psycho. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't, you almost don't realize that it's a chemical thing going on in your brain. And it's not like, it's not true. Yeah. You know, like until you come out of it and then you look in retrospect, can you really be like, Oh, that was, that was literally my brain. Like well, that your wasn't whole me. brain balance, your hormones. Like if you really think about the, even just the physical aspect of your organs, having to go back into place, like you have to give your, your body grace and to go back to the machine it once was and, right. and just have faith that your body is a machine as well as your brain and just give yourself grace. And I think basically what we're saying is to (laughs) give yourself grace from the day you find out you're pregnant or trying to the, you know, so-called fourth trimester and ultimately just like trust in yourself. Like the mother's instinct, there's nothing more powerful than that. Whether it's you have a feeling before you go into labor and delivery, you have a feeling with, with breastfeeding or postpartum, whatever it is, you just have to have confidence in yourself and trust, trust your gut more yeah. than anything. And there's going to be a lot of advice given to you, but mm. whether or not it's your first or your seventh child, no one knows what's better. No one knows what's best for your baby better than you do. And yes. your body is super intelligent and you don't always have to understand what it's telling you. I think I think that's one of the benefits, too, of not being able to drink when you're pregnant. You get real clear. Yes, you do. <laughs> you and you realize that your your happiness is number one. Your happiness Through the is pregnancy and afterwards when you're, you're like, oh, my God, I just came home from the hospital with a freaking human. Yeah. Which is a crazy concept in itself. They're like, see you later. Good luck. I know. It's like, wait, <laughs> you know? you're not coming home with you're me. I remember coming. like loving the nurse so much loving. and being like, how much do yeah. I have to pay you to come home with me? Yeah. But your happiness is number one. And just, totally. just put yourself first and you will be a better mom because of it. And and we'll have another podcast episode about what it means to put yourself first. Kristen and I actually have differing views on medications, SSRIs, how to put yourself first. You know, it's easier said than done. And sometimes the most unlikely ways are beneficial. beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.